some of you I'm just Andrew, some of you I'm some. Amen. Some of you are Mr. Barnes, some of you I'm just Andrew, some of you I'm something else, but it's all good. Uh, let's turn to First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 tonight. Now, if you weren't here last week, I started a series in First Thessalonians and I'm um, going to go for another two weeks after tonight, so make sure you continue to come and hear the rest of it. Um, but First Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, last week we had a look at how the Apostle Paul uh, wrote this letter to the church of the Thessalonians. He um, was seeking to comfort them because he established this church and uh, was taken away probably within three to six weeks of just establishing and, and bringing the gospel to them. He was, he was removed from there and uh, so they were kind of left by themselves. So he wrote this letter to comfort them that what God had done, what the work that had been done in their lives was a work of God. Uh, and he, he wrote this and reminded them of that. Um, and he also spoke of their example to other churches around, their example within Macedonia and, and the places around them, how they had done a good work and encouraged other churches and uh, also encouraged the apostle himself. And that was interesting to see that, that uh, the, the, the people that the apostle Paul was seeking to comfort ended up being a comfort to him through distresses and troubles as well. So we had a little bit of a look at that last week. And uh, this week we're going to start in chapter 2. And we're picking up tonight where the Apostle speaks about how he and the people with him came uh, to the church, we, uh, how, he, how they came there and, and their entrance to them. And we're going to look at a few things here. So I might just uh, read the first six verses of this chapter and then we'll pray. And then we'll get stuck into this. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the Bible says this, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Praise the Lord. That's all we need to read there. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll have a look at... Uh, the delivery of the gospel here. So let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this evening. Lord, I thank you for each one that is here. And uh, we do pray and think of those who could not be here tonight, Lord. And uh, we ask that you would please bless them, uh, give them a good evening tonight, Father. We think also of uh, Pastor Lloyd, who is not with us tonight. We pray that you would refresh and revive him. And Cassie, as they've taken a few days away, Lord, uh, we just ask that you would help them to be prepared for the things that are ahead, Lord God. We thank you for them and for their ministry here, for their love to us as a church, and we just pray that you would uh, guide them and bless them in everything that they do, Lord. Father, I pray that our time together in your word tonight would be a help to each one here, myself included. I thank you for your word, that it is a comfort to us, that it is a guide to us, Lord, and I uh, thank you for the things you've shown me. I pray that this time be profitable and fruitful to your glory, Lord God. I pray that we would leave tonight uh, knowing a little bit better how to approach the gospel and sharing it with others. And I just do pray that you'd be pleased with all that takes place this evening. I bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I wonder if you've ever considered your entrance into somebody else's life. I wonder if you've ever considered how your entrance into someone else's situation uh, could be taken and what could come out of that. Uh, Maybe your entrance into even just a conversation that you have with someone. Because I, I use that word specifically, entrance, because Paul had a significant entrance into the life of this Thessalonian church. And if you have just a look in verse 1, this is what he says, is, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. There was much fruit that came from his entrance into their life. And I want to talk about how he entered in. Uh, We saw in in chapter 1 that he was seeking straight away to comfort this church, uh, because obviously they would have been a little distressed at, at, at having the Apostle Paul taken away from them so quickly. Uh, but now he's, he's talking about how he brought the gospel to them. Uh, when they were just a group of people who didn't know much about the Lord and didn't know about salvation, he, he's talking now about how he brought it to them. And I wonder if you've ever considered your entrance into someone's life. When you're seeking to share the gospel with someone, how you bring that, how you approach it, and what fruit could come out of that as well. So don't we're looking tonight at his entrance and I would, I would say that his entrance was a bold entrance. And he mentions that in verse 2. He says uh, that we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God. He was very bold in their entrance. And I don't want you to confuse tonight boldness with arrogance because the Apostle Paul was not arrogant in his entrance to these people. He was bold. And I guess I want you to think of boldness as a certainty, as a surety. Uh, He entered into their lives with a certainty of things. And he says in verse 2 of the gospel of God. So he wasn't wasn't arrogant in his boldness. So I want to look at tonight at, at this boldness and what really we can learn from this boldness and how we can deliver the gospel to people. Uh, how we can take the gospel to people with boldness, not arrogance. So firstly, I want us to, to notice uh, that it was an unhindered boldness, his entrance to them, an unhindered boldness. Verse number two, it says this, he references, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God. So he's talking about when they, were su- they suffered in Philippi for bringing the gospel to the Philippians there. That he was, they, they, they were treated shamefully, they were obviously imprisoned, they were beaten. And I want you to realise tonight that when they came to the Thessalonian people, that they weren't hindered by the things that had previously happened to them. That they didn't let that affect them. Their previous suffering and treatment didn't put them off reaching a new group of people. Now, Acts 16, 23 says that, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison. That was in Philippi. So they brought the gospel to these Philippian people and it wasn't met very well. <laughs> they weren't met with, you know, oh, hooray, you're bringing the gospel to us. No, they beat them and they cast them into prison. So then they came to another place in Macedonia, which is Thessalonica, and they, uh, you know, they didn't let what had happened to them previously hinder them from being bold and bringing the gospel to these people. So they could have reasoned, you know, because Thessalonica and Philippi were part of this whole place, Macedonia, they could have reasoned within themselves that, 
well, we've been treated, you know, wrongfully and unfairly and we've been uh, beaten and, and put into prison in one part of Macedonia. Well, it's probably just going to happen in this other part as well. And so maybe we won't go there. They could have reasoned that way, but they didn't. They didn't let that stand in the way. It wasn't a blockage to them being bold in the gospel. I guess I have a question for us all tonight is, are there blockages to your gospel boldness? Is there something standing in the way of you delivering the gospel to someone or being bold in sharing the gospel to someone? Because I guess we could all agree that the Apostle Paul would have, you know, I guess we would say he'd be within his rights to say, ah, let's, let's just not go to that place because we've already been treated this way, beaten and imprisoned, and I, I don't want to go through that again. We'd probably go, that's fair enough. I, I'd agree with that. But he didn't have that approach. Um, and maybe you're looking for a gospel entrance into someone's life, but all you can see is the, is the times that you've been rejected before, the times that you've been mistreated because of it before, the times that people didn't want to talk to you because you were trying to give them the gospel, uh, or the problems that came about when you tried to give someone the gospel. Maybe that's all you're seeing and that's becoming a blockage to them actually receiving the gospel because it's hindering you. It's stopping you from giving them the truth. It's stopping you from going that next step. And uh, the Apostle Paul didn't have that here. He, he used what had taken place before as, as a help to be bold in what's happening now. And uh, he said in 2 Timothy 2 verse 3 to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's been preached many times from this, this pulpit that there's going to be hard things in the Christian life especially when you're trying to stand up for and reach people with the gospel of Christ. So there's no denying that there's going to be hard things, but the question is, are you letting those hard things get in the way of people receiving the gospel, receiving salvation? And nobody's denying that there's hard things when, face, when, when sharing the gospel and nobody's denying that they're real. They're not all just in our heads. They, there are real and hard things that we face. Uh, but Paul's saying here, don't let past her to be a hindrance to sharing the truth. You know, it's all about perspective because if we're too concerned with ourselves, we're going to go, well, no, that's going to be an inconvenience to me. Therefore, someone else misses out on the blessing of hearing the gospel. But if we see the bigger picture, there's a perspective of, well, if I lose something and that person gains, then that's a good thing. If I lose something and God's glorified, then that's a win. And I, and I think that's how the Apostle Paul approached this is, you know, even if we do get treated the same as we did in Philippi, I'm going to take that risk because if it means that someone here can get saved, then I'm going to do it because it's worth it, because it brings God glory. So it was an unhindered boldness, their entrance into these people. They weren't hindered by the things that happened before them. So not only was it unhindered, but I want you to notice that it was also a trusted boldness a trusted boldness see these unsaved Thessalonians before Paul came to them uh, they didn't know like I said before they didn't know a whole lot about the true gospel about the true God the true and living God but they were given the gospel by men who experienced firsthand God bring spiritual victory so they were people who had seen God bring victory in lives in their lives in the lives of other people that needed spiritual help so these people were, were brought the gospel by people who had seen God work it was a real thing for them it wasn't just a fanciful idea it was people who had seen God work firsthand 
Because if you remember, we don't have to go there, but you remember what happened in the Philippian jail when they sang and they prayed unto God? They were loosed from prison. The doors opened, everything was loosed, and you know, God answered prayer there. But what happened to the Philippian jailer? Well, he and his household got saved. You know, they had seen firsthand that God could bring a spiritual victory in a dark, in a dark place, in a person's life that needs help, spiritual help. So these were not just people who just had this kind of vague idea of what God could do. No, they saw it firsthand for themselves. So we're saying here that this was a trusted boldness. They were trusting in, the, in God's ability to do what he had done before. They had seen it firsthand. And what do you think Paul and those with him were bold in when they came to Thessalonica? They were bold in the things that they saw in, in Philippi. They were bold in the things that they saw in that jail, that God did save this, this jailer who was not saved beforehand. They saw him do a work. Now, God's ability to bring spiritual victory to the lost. So let me ask you a question. What is it that keeps you praying to God? What is it that keeps you coming back, kneeling on your knees and asking God for things? What keeps you coming back to him? Because the answer to that will be significant in how you, how you understand God and what he can do. And I would, I would say that for most of us, the thing that keeps us coming back to God is not just religion, it's not just repetition, it's not just a thing that we do in our day, but it's because we've seen God do a work and we know that he can do a work again. Because we're trusting in things that he's already done in our lives. So we commit new things to him, knowing that he's the same God that did that work. He can do another work. That's what keeps us coming back to him in prayer. That's what causes us to be bold in our prayer. Because of what he's already done. So Paul and the people with him came unto the Thessalonians with this boldness that was a trusted boldness in he's done these things beforehand in Philippi and other places, not just Philippi. I believe that he can do a work in these people here as well. And it's a fact that you've seen things and victories that God's brought that keeps you going, asking God to do another work. And I think sometimes we're lacking in gospel boldness when we're not rehearsing the, the victories that God has brought before. Because if we just neglect what God's already done, then what are we drawing on? Where's, how's our faith built? We need to be rehearsing in the things that God's already done. We need to be thanking him for those things and, and using those things as, I guess, even a stepping stone to, to greater things that God can do. And showing God, you know what, God, I believe that you're able to do a great thing because you've already done this thing in the past. And you know what, what's going to help you bring the gospel to that person that looks like they're not going to receive it? The thing that will help you to do that is to remember that he's already brought the gospel to people that looked like they weren't going to receive it before. The, the people that scare us that when, we, when God impresses upon us to go and uh, witness to them, you know, God saved people like them before. They're not scary to God. He understands that they can be saved just like anyone else. And, you know, even within uh, young people, within our youth group, there's been people who have, have come to our youth group and they look a bit rough, and they're a bit more rougher than some of our other youth. And for me, I can look at them and go, ooh, they're probably a little bit harder to reach than some of these other ones, so I'm tempted to just kind of leave it and not approach that because you don't want to get hurt, you don't want to look like an idiot, you don't, you know, 
You're a little bit scared of how that's going to be taken. But you know what's helped me is when I've finally plucked up the courage to just have that conversation with them and, and bring the gospel to them and, and just see where they're at and all these sorts of things, I find that, you know what, God's able to, to work a conversation there. He's able to, to enable me to have this conversation and he's able to save that person. It's not, no one's too hard or too difficult or too rough for God. So you know what that's happened? You know what has happened from that is when someone else comes into the youth group who reminds me of this other rough person, I go, you know what, God helped me to lead that person to the Lord. He can help me to, or help us to lead this person to the Lord as well. Because we're having faith in, and we're trusting in what he's already been able to do for what, he, what he's brought before us now. And this is what Paul brought. He brought a, a boldness that, that really was trusting in everything that God had previously done. You think about it, he, he came to a people that he didn't know. He didn't know these people. He didn't know if they were aggressive or not. And a lot of the people in Thessalonica were aggressive. That was one of the reasons he had to leave the church because he wasn't, he wasn't welcomed with party poppers and balloons. You know? <laughs> so he was coming to a people he didn't know. Uh, they could have been you know, just wanting to kill him straight up. Who knows? But his boldness is in what God had already done and he brought that to, to this as well. So this, go- this gospel boldness that he showed and how he entered into their lives, it was an unhindered boldness and it was a trusted boldness. And I want you to notice also that it was a truthful boldness. And this one really hits home to me. It's a- it was a truthful boldness. Because Paul points out in this letter to the church that his certainty and his boldness that we're speaking of in verse 2, where he says, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God, And even if you look at verse 9 of chapter 1, we looked at last week how he talked about the living and true God. He knew that God was true. He knew that God was the truth. But he also knew that God's word, God's gospel, was truth. And that's important. It's not just knowing that God himself is truth, but God's message, that's the truth that people need. There is no other alternative. It's God's message, it's God's gospel, that was the truth. And that is what they spake. And he says that in verse 2, that they were speaking the gospel of God. But look in verse 4, it says that we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak. So it's just referencing that, you know, what, we, what came out of our mouths, it was the gospel truth. It wasn't, like I said before, some fanciful idea, but he was bringing this to the people, knowing that this is the truth that is going to save you. This is the truth that is going to change your life. We could come and we could say a whole bunch of other things, but the thing that's going to change your life is God's word. And guess what? It's the same thing today. So the thing that's going to save those people that you're praying about and seeking to influence and win to the Lord is God's word. We don't have to look for some other thing. So we can be bold in that and say, you know what, this is what people need. I don't have to think of some other cool or you know cool thing to say these days i can just go with what the word of god says because that's what's always been saving people and the apostle paul was aware of this he said you know what it's god's gospel that we need to bring to these thessalonians it's god's gospel that we brought to the philippians it's the same thing that's going to save these people and yeah they're not all going to get saved but hey some of them are and if we get persecuted for it then it's worth it so this was his approach this was his boldness and like i said not arrogance. It was a certainty in the things that God had already done. 
Now, they had a remarkable entrance into the lives of these people at Thessalonica, and they used that opportunity to speak the truth. You know, I asked you, have you ever considered your entrance into someone's life or situation or conversation? Well, you might have been given an open door into someone's life. Someone might have given you their ear. What are you using to minister to them? Are you just using some words that you thought might help at the time or are you using the word of God, the thing that does comfort, the thing that does change lives? So speaking truth is a really important thing. And if you have a look in verse number three, he says here how he came to them and spoke to them. He says, for our exhortation was not of deceit. Well, the opposite of deceit is truth, isn't it? So he wasn't, he wasn't trying to trick or deceive people by giving them half a gospel or giving them some other form of a gospel. He was giving them the true gospel. He didn't shy away from that. He said, you know what, this is what people need and this is what we're going to give them and we're going to be bold in that. Verse number five, he says this, For neither at any time used we flattering words. They weren't insincere towards these people. They didn't try and win them over some way or manipulate them in some way or shape or form. They just gave them the truth because they knew that that's what they needed and it didn't matter how much they wanted to see them saved, they weren't going to manipulate this. They weren't going to change this. They weren't going to manipulate them. So as much as we want people to be saved, we shouldn't change what the Bible says to try and reach them. That's really important, folks. Because I think today, out of most days, is a day where people are trying to change what this says just to try and reach people, but we're twisting it and, we're, and it's becoming less and it's becoming watered down. We're not giving the truth. We're not giving exactly what they need. You know, they weren't flattering people. They weren't deceiving people. They recognised that God had entrusted them with his word and they sought to be good stewards of it. They sought to be truthful in everything that they say. Now, you know what? When we seek to, to win people to the Lord, it's going to cause offence. And like I said before, people nowadays are trying to find a way to reach people with the gospel and not offend. That's noble, but it's, it's not going to happen all the time. Because the nature of the gospel, the nature of Jesus Christ is it divides. It is an offence. One day it will be an offence to people and you, you can't escape that. But unfortunately, we're, a lot of Christians are trying to find, you know, just the nice bits, like let's just share some nice bits. Let's just talk about the love of God but not about anything else. And that's not what Paul did when he came to this Thessalonian church. He gave them the whole truth, the whole gospel. He didn't manipulate. He didn't deceive. He gave them exactly what they needed to hear. So it's going to cause offence when you give the gospel to someone, but we should never seek to offend. We should never seek to use this as an offence, but... I can guarantee you, if you try and win someone with these words, then it will offend at some point. It's inevitable. You know, Romans 6.23, before you get to the good news of the gift of God is eternal life, you have the unsettling and sobering and not-so-fun news of the wages of sin is death. We have to give the whole gospel. We have to give all of the truth of God's word not just the bits that tickle people's ears because tickling people's ears doesn't get people into heaven and it doesn't give God glory. And I believe that through this boldness that Paul showed, he was really seeking to give God glory through all that he was doing. 
which includes speaking the truth, speaking the whole truth. You can't just tell half the story. And uh, when I was working at the airport years ago, before I started working here, um, I, I prayed every day for opportunity to, to, to witness to people, to have conversations with people, and God gave it. I was very thankful for that. Um, I don't know of anyone that got saved through that, but just as a side point, if you ask for God to give you opportunity to speak about him, then he will give it. If you're looking for it and asking and expecting it, he will give it. But I would do that. I would pray every day, give me opportunity to speak. I would take some tracks in and, and just try and you know, talk to people and love people. And there was this older lady who worked with me pretty much every day. And we'd have lots of conversations and got on really well. And so she knew I was a Christian, but didn't know a whole lot about what that really meant. So over months, I just, you know, shared different things with her. And it wasn't a Bible bashing session all the time, but I just shared with her, you know, things that we do at church and, and you know, the nice things, the, the good things that Christians do and all this sorts of, these sorts of things. And then I just got challenged and convicted by the Lord that, you know what, I really need to just give her a clear gospel presentation. Uh, not just tell her all the nice bits, but... Really, just be honest with her. Uh, be truthful with her. So I brought in a, a tract that I thought was, you know, very balanced. Uh, obviously, it, it mentioned, you know, that we're a sinner and all these sorts of things, and it mentioned the, the gift of God, all, all of that, everything you want in a tract. So I gave her this tract. I said, look, i just been praying and just asked if you could uh, just read this. You know, I might just explain a few things about the things we've talked about, all these sorts of things. So I was just busy working in the kitchen there, and she's started to read this tracked and you know as soon as she got to the part where it says that we're a sinner she goes I'm not a sinner and just threw it back at me and I was like well there you go the gospel offends you can't just stick to the nice bits she needed to know she was a sinner and she wasn't happy about that but she needed to know it I'm not saying that I'm the only you know Christian that would have come across her path but what good is it if she gets to the end of her life and she hasn't found out that she's a sinner not good at all. And it's not good if I just, you know, tell her all these nice stories about all the good bits about being a Christian, but I don't tell her that, she, you know, she's a sinner and she's, you know, accountable unto God Almighty. That doesn't help her. It doesn't help the people around that heard that conversation, all these sorts of things. So you can't just tell half the story. You have to be bold in your truth when you bring the gospel to people. Not arrogant, but just certain that this is so. God has said this, that we are like this. This is our nature. And you try and love people by giving them the truth. And nobody's thrilled to hear that they're accountable to God, but nobody can be saved, that, saved without admitting that either. So when you have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, are you tempted to water it down? Because it is tempting. And especially if you see how other... <coughs> You know, Christians are doing it nowadays. It's tempting to go, hmm, maybe we should try that approach of watering it down or just, just focusing on the nice things. But it's a question that we need to be really honest with because we want to be good stewards of the gospel of God like Paul was when he came to these people at Thessalonica. Paul didn't just focus on the nice bits. He understood that people need the certainty and the boldness of truth. That brings security, that, that brings understanding, that, that puts you in, in the mindset of the bigger picture of things, not just, you know, focusing on this little, bit, this little bit here and forgetting everything else. But when you get the whole story of things, it's like, ah, even though I don't like it, I understand it. 
understand where I fit in the scheme of things. Understand where I, where I am before God. I don't like the fact that, you know, I'm called a sinner or anything like that, but I understand it. And we need to be the people that bring that understanding, bring that certainty through our boldness. So how did Paul and the people with him arrive at this unhindered, this trust, trusted and truthful boldness? Well, look at verse number four with me. It says this, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Not as pleasing men, but God. That says a little bit of his focus there, that his focus was on God. Look at the end of verse 5. God is witness that we brought to you everything in truth. God saw how we behaved ourselves. Verse number 6. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others. You see a pattern recurring here that he was concerned about what God saw in all of this, how God was represented in all of this. So when we're bringing the gospel to people, we need to be mindful of how God sees this. Are we being truthful to his word, to the, to the gospel message that he's entrusted us with? Are we, are we concerned with his, his glory? And I think that their boldness stemmed from their motivation to seek God's glory. I think that was riding behind all of this, the fact that they trusted in the things that he'd done before. Well, they wanted to see God get the glory. They were unhindered by previous suffering, which meant that they were willing to suffer for Christ's namesake, which would bring him glory. Because he does get glory when we suffer for his name. Uh, Their commitment to reaching an unknown, lost group of people was based off their trust in God's prior working in their lives and that God could do a mighty work receiving glory unto himself. And like we just looked at, their truthfulness in speech was a desire to honour God and his message. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Not the glory of us, not the tickling of ears of other people, but the glory of God. That's how they had that boldness is their motivation was, I want to glorify God, and then he opens a door. But if it's all about us, or if it's all about having a good standing with the people around us, if we're not focused on God, then we can get way off track. We can give them half the gospel message. We can be untruthful in how we approach it. And we can even be arrogant instead of being bold and certain in our gospel presentation. So having a bold entrance into the lives of others, really, is only half the story. Because being bold in the gospel is a good thing, but it still needs to be tempered with gentleness. And that's the next part I want to look at next week. Is he's, They've brought the gospel in boldness to these people, but he also then showed the gospel through gentleness in various ways. So there's a balance to all of that. It's not just boldness, boldness, boldness. Yes, truth is essential, but there's a balance of gentleness that will come. And we'll have a look at that next week as well. So that's all we have for tonight. If you just bow your heads with me, we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll take some time to pray together. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth, that it does change lives. And uh, Father, I thank you that you've entrusted with us your gospel message. Uh, Help us, Lord, to be mindful that uh, we are representing you, Lord God. 
but help us, Father, to be bold in these areas, uh, to witness for you, to uh, bring the gospel message to those that need it, Father. Help us, Lord, to not look at the things that have hindered us in the path, past and, and allow them to be a hindrance now, Lord God. I pray you'd help us to be thankful and rehearse in your ears and the ears of those around us the things that you've already done for us and that it would strengthen our faith for the things that lie ahead, Lord God. I thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul. I thank you, Lord, that you've shown us these things and I pray that you would help us to use them for your glory. And uh, Father, I pray that you'd help us now as we come to pray uh, to consider one another, uh, to bear one another's burdens, Lord God, and to be mindful of the things going on in the lives of those around us. Help us, Lord, to encourage one another. I pray, Lord, you'd keep us safe. Uh, Please continue to keep our pastor and his wife safe, Lord God. And uh, we do pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.